We're in John chapter 6. We're uh, cruising through um, True Story. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever wanted to be in a club? You've wanted to be in an exclusive club. Anybody ever in? Okay, a couple of you. Um, huh. Anybody ever anybody work in marketing? Okay, striking out here. Let's try one more question. Anybody ever own a members-only jacket? Okay, all right, yeah, okay, we're back. Okay, now, good. Uh, so the members-only jacket, like you got it, you wore it, like members-only, it was right there. You, wore, you, you walked around like this, didn't you? Like you had it, uh, members-only, right? Um, it's huge. Like um, it, this is a big part of, um, of marketing. Now, I did a little bit of work in marketing. I don't know if you noticed or not, but this, the number one way to market and make something really get big is to tell people that they might not be the right people for it. So it's, a, it's crazy. Like, to market to the masses, you tell the masses, we might not need you. And it's that exclusivity that makes people want it, right? People want what not everybody can have. And so the minute that you say, Whoop, hold on, they go, tell me more. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, you see this all the time. I'll, I'll, just, I'll say a slogan. I'll just say the first word. And then um, and, and you'll tell me what the rest of it is. Are you ready? It's the Marines. And they, so they market themselves as the. Oh, see, I had so much faith in you guys. <laughs> and you so messed it up. Um, you, were, you were close. It's the order's important here. The few. Right. It, the proud is in there. But the few. And you had such confidence. You were like, sorry, a loser. Um, so the, the few. But you went for it. That's good. So they said the few, right? The few. And, and here's what they're saying. And I'm not knocking any other branch of service because all branches are important. But the Marines are knocking other branches of service because what they're saying is, look, you might not be our material. But if you're not one of the few, hey, the Army needs all they can get. That's what they're saying, right? And so what does it make people want to do? Be a Marine, right? I want to be, I want to be in that exclusive members only. You know, I want to, it works. It's crazy. People want that. You see it all the time. You have experienced this. You have experienced the pride that comes from being unique. And here's how, here's, like anybody here into yard sales? Okay, a few of you, um, antiques, like, you know, you do all that kind of stuff. And so you go to a yard sale, right, and you, you tell people, you tell the story all the time, you find, you find them. We're called finds. Like, I got to find. Okay, you got to find. What does that mean? It means I found something at a yard sale that is so unique, no one else has it, right? And so you start to tell the story. Well, I was at the yard sale, and it was the last one of the day, and I was really getting tired, and I was in this, in this barn, and it smelled really bad, but I noticed in the back a pile of something, and I went to the back, and then I, I pulled the blanket up, and when I pulled the blanket up, <gasps> there it was, the find. It's a picture. Look at it. I'm the only one that has one. And you're telling this to your, your story to your friend, and your friend's like, no way. I've got one just like it. <laughs> and as soon as that happens, then what do you do? You don't tell the story as much anymore. And like now I say, what, behind the blanket? And then it's just like, yeah, I found this picture. It's like suddenly it's not as cool because you're not the only one that has it. And I want you to kind of remember that this morning as we're, as we're reading through Luke chapter 6, um, we're at verses 12 through 19, because what you're going to see is it's going to start to feel a little bit like that, because we're going to meet some men called apostles. 
And they are kind of an, a, a unique, exclusive 12-man member club. And what we could do this morning is we could have gone like total Bible college and I could teach you exactly what the apostles were doing and who they were and why they were on the earth at that time. But what I know is I've read ahead. I've read a little bit ahead in Luke. I've kind of read the end of the story. And there are plenty of passages going forward in Luke where we're going to talk about what these 12 men did as leaders of the church. And so I'd rather this morning focus on something a little bit more general. So this passage is about something specific for the apostles that happened But it's also about something general that I think God wants to do in us. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this for you, these these verses. I'm going to give you the big idea. uh, And then we're just going to kind of talk through a couple questions related to that. Is that cool? And then we'll go go grab lunch. I mean, maybe, probably not together, but maybe all of us together. That would be awesome. At our house. It was under a blanket. It was a picture. Um, all right, so here we go. We're in, we're in Luke chapter 6, um, starting in verse 12. I think we have it up on the screen for you as well. So it says this. One of those days, I just want to make, an, I want to make this quick, really quick point. i got to make it really quick. I love that. You don't read the Bible like I do. I, I totally get it. People tell me all the time, like, I don't know how you get the stuff out of the Bible that you get out of the Bible. It's just the way my brain's wired. But I read that. You've got to understand, we're going to read some monumental verses. Like what's going to happen between verses 12 and verse 19? What Jesus is getting to do for 12 men changed your life. This is the foundation of the church. It's the beginning. He's, he's laying the foundation. And, and what they do revolutionized our lives. And we're like in Albemarle. I mean, that's how far-reaching this was. And listen, sometimes we think, well, if I'm going to do something big for God, it's gonna, it's, I need to make it special. I'm going to fast. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to read in Leviticus. I mean, I'm going to play worship music from Hillsong and Jesus Culture. I'm going, to get, I'm going to set the mood so it'll be special. And then God's going to move. And what Jesus is getting ready to do happened on one of those days. I mean, what are your days like? Well, it's just one of those days. Like, I don't know what your week's like. I have more one of those days than I have special days, right? And it's just one of those days. I see, like in Walmart. And then Jesus does something amazing. I I just love that. I wanted to point that out to you in case you're having one of those days. So here we go. One of those days, Jesus went went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. I didn't tell this to the first service, but it's really cool. I'm just going to let you know, let you in on it. In Luke, prayer is a big theme. I mean, Luke goes to extraordinary measures to show that every time something major happens in Jesus' life and in the life of the church, prayer always takes place first. So Luke wrote Luke and he wrote Acts. You read those two, ver- those two books, you'll see it all the time. Jesus prayed. They called the church together to pray. And then they made, they'd, something major happened. When Jesus, this struck me this week because I was studying, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. That's the son of God, right? Son of man, like he's important, correct? We say that like if there's a level, it's us and it's Jesus, right? And Jesus took all night in prayer before he selected 12 men. What is our criteria in church for selecting people? Are you breathing? Can you just show up occasionally? We'll take you. We pay you, right? Like, our criteria is so low. He spent all night praying about it. Jesus. Like, if he spent that much time praying about 
who to, who to select, maybe we could also. Anyway, let's just move on. You got quiet. You're going to kill me. So here are the here are the apostles: Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a, a traitor. Boo. He went, down, he went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples were there. And a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. So this, these are the verses that we want to tackle. So here's what you're going to see. Let me give you the big idea. Again, this is specifically about the 12 apostles. He called them out for something specific. But generally how this applies to us, and here's the big idea. Jesus calls us out in order to send us in. Jesus calls us out in order to send us in. Um, just so you can know that that's in the Bible, because it's important for you to know that it's, I'm not making this stuff up, right? This is actually in the Bible. So here's, here's some, some thoughts and some things you can jot down on your note sheet, just so you know I'm not making it up. This whole being called out thing is in the Bible. And here's how we know. The word in the Greek for church is ecclesia. And it means called out ones. That's what the, so every time you're reading the New Testament and you read the word church, more times than not, actually 115 times in the King James, but more times than not, the word behind that is ecclesia. It's a Greek word and it means called out ones. It, it also means gathered ones. That's where we got our name. I'd like to tell you it was something amazing, but we're called the gathering because we are the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. We are the church. That's who we are. And so when you see that in the New, in the New Testament, that's, that's what it means. First uh, Peter 2.9. It says this, we've been called out of darkness and into wonderful light. That called out. This is what we are. This is who we are. We've been called out. Now, in First Peter 2.9, called out, does not, it's not the same word. For ecclesia, but the, the two root words that are related to ecclesia are used in that phrase. Okay, it's just, it's just so you know it's in the Bible, right? I'm not making it up. Like, Jesus calls us out. We are called out. But he calls us out so that we can be sent back in. John 20, 21. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So there, there's two, you see, like there's, we're called out, it's one wing, right? And then we're sent in, that's another wing. And sometimes what happens in church is we focus on one or the other. And, and I love um, A.W. Tozer, you, you may not know who that is. He's, he's dead now. Um, dead men write the best books. Um, he, he, he's a great read. Like Take some time, read some A.W. Tozer. Some of you are brilliant, and so you'll read it, and you'll get it right away. Some of you are like me, and you'll have to read the page, and then read it again, and then read it again. I typically go paragraph by paragraph, sometimes sentence by sentence. It just takes a while to work through it, but it's really, really good stuff. And so A.W. Tozer, um, he, he understood this, eh, like what happens if we go too far to one side or the other? And so he made this statement one time in the midst of a bigger statement that we'll read later. But these four words, he said this, truth has two wings. Truth has two wings. And so sometimes um, what, what we do is we tend to lean, you know, can you imagine being on a plane Huh. You're like, just chilling, and all of a sudden it tilts. Like, what would you be doing? Uh, yeah, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be screaming, 
I'd be like, I'd be yelling at the pilot like, go, go back the other way. I mean, like, like even it out, even it out. Like nobody flies like, well, just nice, relaxing trip to California, right? Nobody does that, right? You want to even that thing back out. And so this morning, um, we're talking about this big idea. Jesus calls us out. That's one truth. In order to send us in, that's another truth. What I want to do this morning is ask this question. What happens if we lean too far one way or the other? Okay, so that's what we're going to do. What, what happens if we lean too far one way or the other? Before we do the first one, let me just set you at ease. You will lean too far one way or the other. Okay, so everybody take a deep breath. Let it out. It's okay. It's, it's got a lot to do with, with your personality. It's got a lot to do with how, like, your, your, like how you see things, your grid. All of us tend to go one side to the other. This is why community groups are so important, right? Because I touched on some stuff here that you really need to chew on in community group. And so this week, one of the questions you'll, you'll deal with in community group is, like on a, if it's a scale, like, you know, um, we're called out yeah. to um, we're sent in. If that was a scale, where do you typically fall? On that scale, most of us start at one extreme and work towards the middle. Very few of us are actually right in the middle, okay? So when I'm teaching this, you're going to relate to one or the other, which is going to make you feel bad one way or the other. So if you're the first wing that I'm fixing to talk about, and you're like, man, I hate this. It's all good because I'm going to do the other wing next, okay? So you'll be fine. Here we go. So if we only focus on being called out, what happens if we only focus on being called out? There's probably lots of dangers, but I've just narrowed it down to two. And I've picked two words that you will never use in your real life, but they start with E and end with ism. So here we go. First, we run the risk of escapism. Escapism. When's the last time you used that word? Like looking at your spouse like, I hate it when you act like, you know, all escapism and stuff, right? You know, never never use that word. But what escapism means is this. It basically says I'm safe, right? I have escaped something. And you've heard this preached. If you've been in church any amount of time in your life, you've heard this preached that he wants to save you from hell. And we've escaped from hell. And so we, we, this is, we focus too much on I'm called out. And we are called out. We tend to, to fall into this sometimes. Like, I've, I'm safe. I've escaped. It's never a bad thing to be saved from bad things. But it is bad when we fall into the trap of believing that God has called us from a dangerous world, sinful world, in order to make us safe. God didn't call you from a dangerous world to make you safe. He called you out of that world, as we'll see in a minute, to send you back into that world. He didn't save you to make you safe. He saved you to see you sent. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. We've escaped so that he can use us. Jesus didn't save us to keep us safe. And so that plays right into the hands of the second danger. So first is escapism. I'm safe. And the second is elitism, which is I'm separate, right? So I'm safe from all sin, which means I'm now separate from all the bad people. And, and that's, it's so easy to fall into that. So let me give you a, a little bit of balance, okay? Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. This is in the Bible. Paul wrote it. It says this, Therefore, come out, from, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. So when we talk about, like, this is a danger we can fall into of this elitism, it's not that we're not supposed to be separate. He just wrote it. That's in the Bible, right? We are supposed to come out and be separate. What he's talking about here, though, is, is this 
elitism. Like, we, we lose the fact that, okay, God wants me to be holy. Even the word holy means set apart. So he wants us to be different. But he doesn't want us to say, I'm better than you. Right? And so if we think about a group of people, right, that tend to live this in Luke, it would be the Pharisees. And I know, um, you know, Pharisees get a bad rap all the time. We, we say things like they're horrible people. Um, but the truth of the matter is their hearts were in the right place at the beginning. They really wanted to pursue a holy God. But their pursuit of a holy God, because they fell into this elitism, like we're the cool guys with the hats, because they were pursuing, they started out pursuing a holy God, but it turned into a retreat from unholy people. And that's what elitism does, okay? That's what elitism does. Um, how many of you saw um, The Wizard of Oz? Yeah? So remember the part where, um, remember the part where the Wicked Witch of the West... She's the one that was green with a big nose, right? And she had the pointy hat, right? And she's sitting there, and all of a sudden, like, um, she goes, I'm melting, melting. And then all of a sudden, she was nothing but a hat and a bunch of green stuff, right? That's how we typically look at the world in sin. That's the church. That's how we typically respond. Somehow we, we figure, like, if God is, if he's called us out, if, if we're safe from sin and we're separate from sinning people, if we ever get near them again... We think somehow sin is going to infect us like germs would infect us. And we'll, we'll melt, we'll melt. And listen, like, here's the deal. You gotta get if your faith is so fragile that it melts around sinful people, you don't have faith. And that's, that's the key. We are called out, absolutely. But we're not called to stand out like this. I can't be around you now because I'm, I'm separate. It's not what Paul meant when he wrote those words. So if we lean too far to this side, if we lean too far to we're called out, we run the risk of, of escapism and elitism. And here's what happens if we focus on the other side. So all of you that were like, I hated that part, this, you'll love this part. If we focus on being sent in, um, here's two that I can see right away. First, we can be offended by others not going with us. This... When you get offended like that, you ask this question, where is everybody? Now, I'm talking to the church, right? I'm assuming you've got a passion for something. Has God ever laid a passion on your heart for a group of people? Yeah, maybe, maybe you are the nursery worker passion person, right? Like you just, there's nothing you love more than to lay on the floor in the nursery and to hold those kids up in the air and go, you're so cute. And you love the way it tastes when they give you cheese. Maybe that's your passion. Well, here's what's going to happen. You'll start to do that. You'll start to serve because, hey, we're, we're, called, we're sent in. We're sent in. This is my mission. I'm going to do this. And at some point, you become so offended because other people don't have the same passion you do. And you get ticked off. And you want to quit because they don't have the passion I have. I mean, this is really true. Like, if, you're, if you have a passion for evangelism, like, you're like one of those, like, Look, I love the church and all, but like you talk too long, Paul. Let's just get out in the streets and win people to Jesus, right? If that's your passion, it'll carry you out the door. And at some point, you'll turn around and go, where is everybody? Oh, I see. How, oh, the gathering, they're just all talk. They don't really care about the souls of men. I mean, it's so easy to get offended. And you can fill in the blank with whatever your passion is. I'm running 50 miles to set 50 women free from human trafficking. Like, am I going to be offended because you don't run any of those miles with me? Yes. 
But, but the, it's not your passion. And to be honest, it's not really my passion as much as it's my wife's passion. I'm honoring my wife when I run 50 miles because she's got a passion for it. But if we're going to sit around getting all offended because you don't have the same passion, we've run the risk of, of this side. Like we're sent in. And where is everybody anyway? It's so key that we don't get offended by that. When I was growing up and I was in youth group, I had a great youth group, great youth pastor. We'd have amazing services. You know, 30, 35 kids were in the group. Um, it, you know, like, get that many kids in a room singing. It smells bad. or sweat everywhere. But it was, it was so fun. We'd play volleyball. We'd, like, go river rafting. We'd always have a crowd, except when he would get up and say, this Saturday, don't forget, we're going to go out to, you know, sister whatever's house, and we're going to rake her yard because she's lost her husband, and we're going to mow her grass, and everybody come. It's going to be great. And me and Laura and Sissy, my sisters, would show up. Where is everybody? He's like, it's all good, man. I got three rakes. Go for it. <laughs> you know? Like, where's everybody at? And he was a smart enough man to, at least at that early age, tell me this. Like, I don't know why it's this way, Paul, and I don't like it this way, but you'll never have as big a crowd when it's time to serve as you will when it's time to play. I wish it was reverse. I still do. But to get offended by it, he, and here's what he'd say. He's like, like, we're here to serve well, even if we're serving alone. And you've got to get that. It'll keep you from being offended. Serve well, even if you serve alone. Well, nobody ever shows up on time. Well, you're here. Serve well. Well, I'm just not going to keep the nursery anymore. Nobody else will do it. Oh, so you don't have a passion for kids anymore? Well, yeah. You want to leave the kids in the room all by themselves? No. Well, then serve. Serve well, even if you serve alone. It's so easy to get offended by others. Where is everybody when we give ourselves to going in? We, we're not going to talk about it this morning, but you'll see it in Luke 10. We'll talk about this passage of Scripture where Mary and Martha, you know, Martha's busy working for Jesus, and Mary's just singing. You know, like she's worshiping. Jesus is amazing. And she's, Martha's like, tell her to do something. And we'll see this. She gets offended because she's not helping out. Man, if you serve, serve. Even if you're serving alone, serve well. The second thing, so we can be offended. Where is everybody? And then the second thing is we can, we can get blended with the people that we're going to. This is um, like when we're, when we're offended, we ask, where is everybody? When we're blended, we say, how can I be like everybody, right? And we see this in our culture all the time. You know, churches that want to look cool, pastors that want to wear skinny jeans, now it's, now it's pastors that wear skinny jeans and do CrossFit, and that's awkward because the jeans are busting, right? I mean, it's like whatever we can do to look cool. And, and I'm not saying that our hearts are in the right place. I'm just saying there's a danger that we run, and the danger is we become blended too much like the people we're trying to reach. Okay, how can I look like everyone? And sometimes I can't say this for you, but I can say it for me. Sometimes it's because I'm just flat out embarrassed by God. I'm embarrassed by His standards. God, when you said you you called us out and said to be holy, like, you didn't mean, like, be different, right? Uh, Well, actually, yeah, I did. Like, that that giving thing at church, like, you said 10%, but you you meant 10 cent, right? No. Well, that's going to make me look so different from people. Like, like you said, like, I could go to the movies, right? Any movie I want to go to, right? Well, I. It's like, I'd like you to use your judgment. I'd like you to probably like, think about what I would want to watch with you. But that means I'm going to have to say no to my best friend who wants to go see this movie. See, we get so embarrassed by God. Do you ever feel like you have to defend God? And he doesn't need you to defend him. He just needs you to obey him. Sometimes 
When we're, when we're embarrassed by God's standards, we tend to compromise. My youth pastor taught me this as well. He said, intimidation leads to compromise. Isn't it true? Every time we're intimidated, we compromise. Every single time. Intimidation leads to compromise. So people that lean this too far this way on the sent in part, like we have a mission we're supposed to go in. This is their, I'm going to read you their, their favorite passage of scripture. This is fantastic. They'll quote this all the time. This comes from 1 Corinthians 9, um, 19 through 23. It's long, so hang with me, okay? He says this. Though I'm free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. To I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. People that are like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, we're called out, but not not to be totally separate and weird. Like, we're sent in. So let's be like the people that we're going to go reach. That's their go-to verse. I become all things to all people so that I might by by, all means possible win some. Okay, okay. so when are you going to start selling crack? Because you want to reach the crack dealers. Right? Um, but let's, let's, you know, let's do some cocaine. And we're going to reach some people that are doing some cocaine. Let's go be prostitutes. That'd be awesome. We'll reach some prostitutes. Right? I mean, like, there's a, there's a point where you get away saying that doesn't make any sense, right? And what you've got to understand is it's back to that two wing thing. I know it can be confusing, but A.W. Tozer's right. Truth has two wings. And the same man that God used to write what we just read, Paul, about becoming all things to all men, God also had him write through the power of the Holy Spirit. The first verse that we read that said, come out from among them and be separate. Truth has two wings. And it can be confusing, I know. Let me read another A.W. Tozer quote just to help you with this. And, and he wrote it a long time ago. Again, he's, he's not around with us anymore. But you'll, you'll swear he wrote this today. Just listen to this, how, how pertinent this is. Many of the doctrinal divisions among churches are the result of a blind and stubborn insistence that truth has but one wing. Each side holds tenaciously to one text, refusing grimly to acknowledge the validity of the other. Lack of balance in the Christian life is often the direct consequence of overemphasis on certain favorite texts with a corresponding underemphasis on other related ones. Let's use both wings, Tozer says. We'll get farther that way. See, there is a tension, right? And you'll get to work through that in your community group this week. But the call is... For us not to give ourselves to one side and ignore the other. And so here in Luke chapter 6, we see Jesus calls out of the crowd of disciples. There's a whole, and there's so much I can't even get into, right? But there's a whole crowd of disciples. These people are following Jesus. He calls 12 men out from them. You would have accused Jesus of having a clique, okay? But he calls 12 out. And then from that, he calls three out later. And then from that, he calls one out. I mean, he was super cliquish, right? So he calls 12 men out from the crowd. And if you're those guys, aren't you like, this is awesome. Get me a little disciples-only jacket, put it on. Walk around. We got special robes and dresses, you know. Maybe I'll get a Pharisee hat too. Who knows? And as soon as he calls them out, if that was his plan, he would have killed them right there. Taking them on to Jesus, um, with him to heaven, right? But that wasn't his plan. He called them out. And as soon as they're excited about that, he said, now look, we're going to go back down this mountain because there's a bunch of people I need to introduce you to. They're sick. They're hurting. They're far from me. 
and I need you to help me bring them back to God. I've called you out to send you in. And that's a hard thing for us to wrap our brains around. So I want to give you two guardrails this morning as we wrap this up. Um, two guardrails, just to kind of, because I don't know how bad of a driver you are. I'm going to guess that some of you are worse than others, and probably you got married to each other. So um, if you've got a bad driver in your house, you're like, look, I ain't riding with you, right? You just go by yourself in the worst car we have, so you can't mess it up. Um, I don't know how bad you drive, but if you are an all-over-the-road driver, okay, I want to give you two guardrails this morning that can kind of help us know when we're veering off one side to the other, okay? Now, let me remind you, remind you what guardrails are before I tell you what they are. Here's what guardrails do. They don't prevent accidents. They just warn you of an impending accident if you don't change your course, right? Like when you're driving around the curve and you see that little metal guardrail, have you ever thought to yourself, it's not strong enough? I could still go over the edge. The purpose of a guardrail is not to stop you from going over the edge. It's to tell you, hey, idiot, if you don't change the way you're going, you're going to go over the edge. Okay? And so these are two guardrails that we have that if we bump up against these, like if we, these should help keep us going the right direction. Okay? Here's, here's the first. Here's the two. Stories and mission. Stories and mission. Okay? Here's what I mean by stories. Stories are our testimonies, and they remind us of what we've been saved from, okay? We talked about we've been called out. This is what we've been called out from, and you've been called out. No doubt about it. Let me give you some verses. 1 Peter 2, 9, we've already read it. It says that we've been called out of darkness and into wonderful light. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, there's a long list of things, bad things, that we've all done, or at least part of them, some of those we've done. And Paul's writing, and here's what he says, but that is what some of you were. We, we should do a series called Big Butts of the Bible, right? That would be so awesome. And there's one of the bigger butts, right? You're just now getting it. That would be so good. I can see the graphic now. But when, when he says all these things happen, and if you do these things, he says if you practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But that is what some of you were. That's your story, what you were. Stories remind us of what we were, what we've been saved from Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, verses 12 through 13, says that we were foreigners, but now we're family. Listen, if you're in Christ, you've got a story to tell. And telling it reminds us and it reminds others of what he's done for us, of how our lives have changed. Let's talk through mission. I'm going to ask Parker's coming back up. Y'all can start playing some and we'll wrap this up. So the second guardrail is mission. And here's, how, here's what I mean by mission. Mission... Mission is what we're saved for. If stories are what we're saved from, then mission is what we're saved for. We're saved to take the gospel to people. And the mission is what keeps us from just being a social organization. And you're a pretty good social organization. I like you a lot. But we're, we're so much more than a social organization. We're the organization on the face of the planet that God said, I'm going to use you to take my gospel to the ends of the earth. So mission reminds us of that. It keeps us focused on that call. We already mentioned John 20, 21. As the Father sent Jesus, now Jesus sends us. And how does he send us? He sends us to do what his Father sent him to do, which is to seek and save the lost. You are on a search and rescue mission. It's what you do. It's what I do. Our call is everywhere we go to be looking for people who need the gospel of Christ and to share it. It's not enough for us just to be over here safe and separate. When we're called also to go back in. So mission reminds us of this. Those who are rescued make the best rescuers. 
found people, find people. That's what we do. But not because I don't want to be a holy person. I just want to be like the crowd. So I'm going to go hang out with the crowd and try to look different and blend in. So like they're drinking eight beers. I'll just have seven and they'll notice the difference and ask me about it, right? That's not what it means. It means that he's called you out from among them to be different and separate and holy. And with that power in you, a changed life, he then sends you back in to proclaim his gospel. So that people will say to you, Cat, how did you change? And you'll be like, I read a book, dude. No, it's Jesus. The gospel of Christ is changing me and the gospel of Christ can change you. That's what it means to be called out and different and then sent back in. Jesus calls us out in order to send us in. You've been saved from the crowd in order to be sent back to the crowd. So here's your encouragement this morning. If you're in Christ, you got a story. Tell it. Tell your story. Tell your story. It's a guardrail. Keep telling it over and over again. What has Jesus done in your life? Listen, Jesus has saved me from depression. I was suicidal in high school. There's no doubt if I didn't meet Jesus, I would not be here. Jesus has saved me and my wife from a life of, of, with a man filled with rage. My sister, Laura, who comes to our church, she told my wife, she told my mom, Paul's going to be a wife beater. You know why she thought that? Because I beat her with a baseball bat, with my hand. I was horrible. I was filled with rage. And she attends our church. You know why? Because she knows there's a difference in me now. And the gospel did that, not me. I have a story. You have a story. Tell it. You have a mission. Live it. Don't be content to come to church and just do the church social club thing. Live your mission. Get on your stinking horse and ride it. And take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Tell your story. Live the mission. Because Jesus called you out to send you in.